One of the cool things you can do on an iPhone when you're using it to navigate somewhere is to share your ETA. That way, whoever you're meeting can have a surprisingly accurate and constantly updated idea of exactly when you're going to arrive. If you're on the other end, the one expecting the company, that can be pretty invaluable information. It's nice to know when to expect someone because that way you know how long you have to prepare and when you absolutely have to be ready. Do you have time to go to the grocery store quick to pick up a couple of things you forgot? Should you vacuum the whole house or just do some spot cleaning? How soon should you hop in the shower? You don't have to wonder if someone can share a good ETA with you. The iPhone makes it easy. I'm sure there's Android ways as well, I just know my iPhone better. Advent is a season of anticipation and waiting. We're all expecting company. The King is coming. We're looking forward to celebrating Jesus' first coming, but obviously there's that second coming as well. The catch is Jesus doesn't seem to be an iPhone user. Or at least if he is, he hasn't shared his ETA with us. And it sure seems like he's taking his sweet time in coming as well. Like the believers in the Old Testament who were waiting for his first arrival on earth, we've been waiting a long time. And while we know he will come, we just don't know when. So how do we handle the wait? Honestly, not always very well. There are probably two categories that we can fall into. Uh, Maybe you're one or the other, or more likely you'll find yourself falling into one trap or the other at different times in your life. First, we can get tempted to think that Jesus hasn't come back yet, so he's likely not going to come back anytime soon. So, obviously, we have plenty of time to indulge in our favorite sins. We have plenty of time to focus on all the earthly things that matter to us so much more than our faith. We can put off going to church. There'll be time when the kids are older or when we retire. Right now, we've got too much going on. We're too busy. You're all here in church, though, this morning. Not putting it off. But you know what? That doesn't mean you're free from this temptation, does it? Maybe you do come to church, but you really don't take your faith seriously otherwise. Maybe your church attendance isn't as good as you know it could be. And even if you do, maybe you chance it sometimes by committing your favorite sins. After all, what are the odds that Jesus actually comes back and catches you red-handed while you're doing that sin? You'll have time to say you're sorry later. Sometimes the fact that Jesus hasn't come back yet means like we kind of act like he isn't going to come back at all, and our sinful nature is kind of perfectly happy to live like that. On the other hand, maybe instead of just getting comfortable with Jesus not coming back, we might go the opposite direction and get angry with him for not coming back soon enough. Maybe we simply wallow in despair, we watch awful thing after awful thing happen in the news, and we wonder why in the world God hasn't come back yet when clearly he should, clearly things are just getting worse and worse. What's the holdup? Does he not love you enough to save you from all this evil? If you were God, you wouldn't do it this way. That's for sure. Peter's words that we read earlier are just what we need to hear when we find ourselves falling into either of these camps. He said this, uh, he says that to God, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. This isn't a literal mathematical equation, as if God literally experiences a thousand years in a day and vice versa. It's actually a little bit more like the, the girl math that I keep hearing about on social media today, uh, you know, where uh, people share some relatable things like, uh, it makes it just makes sense to spend a little bit more so that you can get free shipping. Otherwise, you're just losing money, right? Only, this is actually a lot less silly and a lot more wise than girl math. 
but it's really God time. Peter's point is that God experiences time differently than we do. And that's a reminder for us to be pretty careful about judging him as unwise or unloving in his timing. And not to think that his slowness is a sign that he's not going to follow through on his promise that Jesus will return. If we know anything, we know that God keeps promises. After all, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas every year. There's a precedent. God fulfills promises. He promised that the Savior would be born. Sure enough, even after a long time, finally the Savior was born. So if Jesus is going to return as God promised, that means we probably should be ready. You want to be prepared if the king is coming to visit. Both of the temptations earlier really lead to being unprepared. If you don't really think a guest is coming, you might get caught unprepared to host them when they do show up. But being caught unprepared for Jesus' arrival isn't as bad as not having all the ingredients for your favorite Christmas dinner, or being late to send out the Christmas cards, or not having all the decorations up. It's not like having your guests show up before you get the house all cleaned. It's actually way worse. Peter tells us exactly what's going to happen when Jesus returns. All of a sudden, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements, the very things that the earth is made of, will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid completely bare. This is serious stuff. All the things that we work for and strive to have and maintain are going to be gone. All the stuff that we skip church and cut corners in our prayer life to obtain, destroyed in an instant. Even if we've managed to curate our lives into looking pretty good, Peter tells us that everything is going to be laid bare. All those good things that we've done that we know had ulterior motives, those ulterior motives will be cleanly or clearly seen. All the evil things that we've done that we've managed to cover up also laid bare with all their ugliness clear as day. Make no mistake, we can't just waltz into that situation. We can't just wing it on the last day. We have to be prepared. But how? Realizing we need to be prepared is really only half of the battle, but the next half is just as serious. Peter tells us, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Talking about God. Once we've realized that we need to take our preparation seriously, we realize exactly what it means to be prepared and that we can't prepare ourselves. How can you be at peace with God? It's really simple. Be perfect, God says, as I am perfect. It's as simple as that, but it's also as impossible as that. When our deeds are laid bare, it's clear that we are guilty. It's clear that there's a part of us that is not God's friend, but is his enemy. No matter how much I try, I could never erase all the evils I've done. I can't even promise that I'll be perfect going forward. Honestly, I can't even say that I always want to be perfect. But that's really the point we need to understand. What was central to John the Baptist's message as he prepared the way for the Savior? Repent. Turn from your sins. Advent is a season of repentance because repenting, turning from sin, is the way we meet, we prepare to meet our Savior on his terms and at peace with him. The Advent message isn't a message of, well, nobody's perfect, or God accepts you for who you are, flaws and all. It's not a message of, try your best and God will take care of the rest. People from far and wide with all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of histories went to see John and his message to all of them was exactly the same. You need to repent. It's the only way to prepare for the Savior. When we recognize our sinfulness, our imperfections, and 
actually let go of our self-righteousness when we do repent, when we turn from our sins, let go of all of these things that we cling to in this life, things that will disappear or be destroyed or laid bare. God is there with his gospel. The good news that we have a savior. This isn't just a bleak thing. This message will never disappear. It can never be destroyed. And when it's laid bare, there's no secret shame or ugliness. It's really just all the more beautiful. It's why we celebrate Christmas in the first place, isn't it? That baby Jesus is the answer to all of our sins and failures and shame. He's the greatest display of God's love for us. Love that doesn't accept us for who we are, but buys us back from who we were without him. That's just how much God loves you. He gave his only son. Even the delay that might seem like he's dragging his feet to return on the last day flows from love. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to come back. It's not that he doesn't care about fulfilling his promises. We know he fulfills promises. It's not that he doesn't care about us or love us enough to come and rescue us. He already came to pay for our sins and win us eternal life. The fact that he's taking so long to come back is because he loves us and is being patient. Every day, think about it, every day he waits is another day for others to recognize how worthless it is to hang on to their own righteousness or count on anything in this world. It's another day for them to see his gospel and learn of his love and be prepared for his return as well. So maybe instead of being hurt or offended that God's timing isn't ours, and certainly instead of being lazy and complacent, assuming that we have all the time in the world, let's take this time that God has given us first to be prepared ourselves. It's not that complicated. Listen to God's call to you in scripture. Repent of your sinful ways. Turn from your worthless idols and sins and trust in me. Jesus came at Christmas to make it possible for you to be prepared for his second coming. What a comfort that is. There's a sense of peace, right, in being totally prepared for something. When you're completely ready for a presentation or or feel confident going into a test, or when that project that your boss assigned you is, is done and it's done well, well, by God's grace, you can have peace with Jesus when he returns to judge. He's the one who empowers you to be prepared. We're looking forward to a promised new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. That's an amazing thing to look forward to, a wonderful promise. And then second, let's recognize that if we're prepared, and we are, for if we're prepared for Judgment Day, Jesus isn't delaying his return so that we can go on that bucket list vacation or enjoy whatever milestone we're looking forward to this side of heaven. He's not delaying his return for us. Honestly, the best thing he could probably do for us would be either call us home to him in death or just come back himself right now and bring us to heaven with him without dying. Jesus isn't delaying his return for you and me. He's delaying his return for someone else. Someone who isn't prepared yet. What an opportunity we have then. We have really what is extra time to use to bring more people into God's kingdom. We have this opportunity to tell people exactly why Christmas is such a big deal. God sent his son into the world to save us. When he comes back, we don't have to be afraid. Let's make the most of every opportunity we have to work as we await that day when Jesus returns. Now, I don't think any of this has really blown your mind this morning. And that's okay. In fact, I don't think any of this should blow your mind. Sometimes pastors, I think, can feel a lot of pressure to say something new or to really explore something from a new angle. 
I don't want to bore you. <laughs> I don't want to get up and play right into your temptation to think, oh, here comes the same old message again. But you know what? It's needed. We need the same old message. Even when Peter first wrote these words we're looking at today to the believers scattered around Asia Minor, the Holy Spirit wasn't inspiring him to tell them anything they didn't already know. The Holy Spirit was inspiring him to remind them of things that they had already believed. I mean, look at how he begins this section. Do not forget. They already knew this. There's nothing our sinful nature would love more than to forget what we know by faith. There's nothing our sinful nature would love more than to forget about Jesus and just pursue all of its selfish desires. There's nothing it would love more than to forget why we celebrate Christmas or why we have this time after God works faith in our hearts to work in the kingdom. Honestly, I think there might be nothing the devil himself would love more than for us to forget all of this and be caught completely unprepared on the last day. So don't forget... (laughs) You don't have to. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to be reminded of what God has done for you. Let your Christmas, your Advent and Christmas season be focused on on Jesus first and foremost before all those other wonderful blessings that God allows us in our celebration. Be the prepared believer that God has made you. We don't know exactly when. Jesus hasn't given us an ETA. But the King is coming. But that doesn't have to scare us. Repent and be prepared. Amen.